all I have to do, I know, like in the summer, is I have to get outside. If I can get outside, weeds Once will you're get out pulled. there, That's just what's you'll see happen. a weed and you just start pulling it yeah, out. Yeah, if you pull, you can't <laughs> pull one weed because there's one right next to it, you know? So then, like, the ADHD <laughs> kicks in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 289 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the webs programmer. I'm Sam and I'm the art programmer. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is December 11, 20 Blundy. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be profanity on this show, so, you know, just uh, expect it. We'd also mm-hmm. like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. If you'd like to help support this podcast, let us grab your money at moneygrab.bscotch.net. All right, let's talk about life. Adam has a bo- a boring story, or a bory, if you will. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've been we've been talking lately about uh, about mental health, and, and then for Sam in particular, talking about ADHD, and then for me and Seth talking about when to get evaluated, probably, et cetera. And so, uh, so finally, a, a month or so ago, I uh, got my appointment made. Um, and I think I talked about that a bit on the podcast. Uh, and so, had that, uh, was it yesterday? Two, two days ago. Um, finally did it. And it was, it was one of those things where I, I've had also talked about in the podcast before. Um, the, for me, like the being able to, to name a thing is extremely valuable because then you can discover, like, oh, like this is how my life is. This is how I'm different than other people. And now you can, now instead of it being a thing that you've been unconsciously fighting or something like that, it's now just something you can work with. Right. So Mm -hmm. for me, that was like aphantasia a few years ago, which we talked about a bit. Um, and so this time, like, uh, I've already talked about all this stuff so much about like, do I have ADHD? I've got all these symptoms. Like I feel, I, I seem to have some kind of mild depression going on. Like there's these things I've already just talked about at length. So, so then, I didn't know what it was going to be like actually then sitting down and like talking to a real psychiatrist and saying like, here's what's going on with me. Uh, what is this? You know, what do I need to deal with? And, it, and then in the end, I was like, so, so had this appointment, uh, sat down. He just asked a jillion questions. We chatted a bit. Um, and at the end of it, he didn't even say like, oh yeah, this is definitely ADHD. He did like, cause I, I actually forgot to ask at that point. I'd be like, is there like an official, you know, diagnosis here? Um, all he said was, given all of this stuff, he's like, there's, I think that, I think that there's a, there's a pharmacological solution that just perfectly fits with like your constellation of things that you're dealing with. Right. Uh, and then he, he was like a, uh, I think before he became a psychiatrist, he was a pharmacologist. So he's like really into, into like how drugs work, you know? And of course I had my background in, in, uh, in biological science. And so Did you guys they were just out? like, we were just drawing diagrams and talking about like how the different... <laughs> <laughs> neurotransmitters work and like how the, how the, how the different kinds of drugs uh, impact the different things and why the one that he wanted to prescribe to me, like in particular worked well for my stuff, which is mostly kind of mood related uh, with this like sort of uh, mildly depressed state that I've been dealing with. And, uh, and so we kind of talked through it and then he gave me a prescription and then I left. And, uh, and as I was leaving, I was like, cause I was, I was ready to come home and like unpack all this with my wife. Cause we always like talk through all this stuff, you know? And I got home and she's like, okay, so how'd it go? And I was like, and I just realized, I was like, I have nothing to say about this. It wasn't even interesting. <laughs> like, it's just like, fine. <laughs> yeah, there it's was like no, the it was, yeah, I wasn't nervous going in because I was just like, I just needed, because I wasn't worried about the outcome. I just like wanted to see if something was going on and if it could be addressed, you know. 
Uh, and the outcome was like, yeah, there's something going on here, which I already knew. That's why I went there in the first place. And, uh, and so, so it was just, I, I think it was funny how hilariously just uninteresting the whole thing turned out to be, you know? Is, isn't this kind of like, it's, it's a big deal because of the impact, yeah. right? Like, but also it's not a big deal because you can just go talk to somebody and they can just be like, here you go. Use some drugs. <laughs> right. right. So it feels like there should have been a much more monumental thing that happened, you know, when you solve this big problem. Yeah. But really it just wasn't a big deal. And then you can just get your stuff and move on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, so I think it's an interesting thing, right? Is, is and So I only wanted to tell that story because like originally I was like, I'm, oh, this is not an interesting story, so I don't want to tell it, right? Um, but uh, but there's, there's just so much um, – stuff wrapped up in mental health about like how you're supposed to feel about getting a diagnosis of some sort and, and, uh, and fear about revealing to somebody how like your brain works and how you feel about stuff and all of this. And, uh, and that's all like been ingrained in us. So it's completely valid to have those feelings and thoughts, right? Because you've been, you've been told you have to for your entire life. Um, but, uh, but there, you know, there, there is another path, which is the boring path where it's just like, it's just like any other medical thing where it's like, if you break your leg, you're not like, oh, I'm embarrassed that my leg is broken. You know, I don't want to tell somebody I did. Although there are people who do that. If we go to our, our sort of our Midwestern family, uh, of, of people <laughs> who believe they can't get injured, um, and that any injury of any sort is a weakness, then, you know, it's like, it's everywhere. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I was actually, I was just kind of relieved that my response to, to uh, to a mental health thing that I was dealing with was just as boring as my normal medical stuff, and so I just wanted to have that message basically be like, it can be that way, right? Yeah, Which is not fun. to say that that's an easy thing to do, absolutely, right? And depending on the kind of diagnosis you're dealing with and all that, it's a very different outcome. Um, but I think the interesting thing is that because my wife and Sam already went through this process uh, of like getting that moment of discovery and clarity, we're like, holy shit, this is why, like, this is why things were, mm-hmm. then I'd already basically gone through that process. Yeah, right. Cause you were like, like, wait, me too. And X, Y, Z. Yeah. Particular yeah constellation. Exactly. Yeah. And so I'd already, I actually already got to do all the processing. So that and then finally going to, uh, going to the doctor to get it like formally dealt with was then just boring. Yep. Yeah. yeah I think the the reason that, that this mental health stuff is so hard to grapple with is because it doesn't hurt you know, like if you have a headache and you're like, fuck, ow, no problem. Take some drugs. Pain is gone now. I can obviously, right? Like there's a clear, like direct, immediate, negative, uh, painful res- like thing that you have going on and a very obvious, clear resolution of it. But with a lot of these, uh, these mental health things, it something is wrong, but it doesn't, it's not necessarily pain, right? Yeah, well, so, but it's, I think it's, yeah, it's, but it's this idea of like what you're allowed. It, it's this, it's this idea that, uh, that there are certain things that you have to figure out how to deal with without any external help, right? Yes. Uh, and, and pain is one of those things where we've all collectively agreed that, that, oh, pain, yeah, you're allowed to, like, to deal with that. You're, you're allowed to be like, oh, I can't work because, like my, my arm is in so much pain because I have carpal tunnel syndrome that I can't type. You know, people are like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, but, they, they, but then as you start moving away from that towards things that are not physical pain, then, then there's a much less acceptance for the idea that like, oh, I'm having like a particular kind of mental health crisis today, right? 
So like, I just can't, I just can't do this. Right. And then now people are like, you should be able to figure that shit out yourself. <laughs> you should be able to just deal with that. Right. Uh, so there's, there's a weird, we've drawn, we've all drawn very weird lines about what is and is not acceptable. And also like, also like whether or not you should, you should treat things pharmacologically. Right. Um, mm-hmm. where, where some people won't even take drugs for, for physical pain. Right. Because they have this like belief that that's a thing you just have to deal with. You just handle it. And like all drugs are bad. Right. Um, but the more you move away from physical pain into, into, a, you know, mental distress of some sort, uh, the more likely it is that any given person is like, I don't believe you have the right to, to treat that yep. with a pharmacological solution. You know, well, there is this kind of like this, like toughness thing that people have with pain, you know, this idea of like mm-hmm. being proud of being able to withstand a lot of pain or if something hurts a lot, but pretending like it doesn't hurt a lot and yep. just carrying on with your business. Like, for me, man, g- give me the drugs. Like, sure. <laughs> That's where I'm at. Like, I, I, I can, I can, if I, if I don't have an option, like, sure, I can, I can power through it if I have to. Like, I had that stupid tooth thing for forever. Um, but, you know, after I got the tooth thing fixed, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is obviously better. Like this is this is so much this is so much better to just not be pain." Uh, so yeah, I don't know. My, yeah, my my take on it is that you know uh, there are there are and will be plenty of things in life for which there is no appropriate ability nor method to uh, address them. Oh yeah, and to, and to dull yep. the impact for you. And so if it's if it's possible to get a diagnosis for something. Um, and then get treatment for it, whether it's pharmacological or, you know, talk therapy, whatever, um, you know, physical intervention of some sort. Yeah. If there's, if there's some form of intervention available, uh, then, then you should be taking it because importantly, I think you shouldn't be using up your toughness on dumb shit, like a toothache, because at some (laughs) point something actually bad's going to happen. And if you're dealing with that while you have a toothache. Guess what? Like you're you're not ready. You're like your pain threshold is already hitting some form of max, right? Um, but also just this- why? Because like the, the whole idea that uh, that there's some sort of a of a virtue and 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 having a thing that you're dealing with that you don't have to deal with, you know? Because like sure, you could, right? I said the saying like you you can. Well, right? I mean, it's a, it's impressive, it. you know, in the way. But is that, it impressive like, or is it just dumb? <laughs> well, it's both. You know, it's, this is the whole thing about like uh, what about what bravery is, right? It's like a, or courage. It's it's not it's not f- not having fear. It's having fear and ignoring it, right? And so it's like there's definitely some uh, some virtue stuff wrapped up. I think in the idea of like experiencing a tremendous amount of pain and then not like, caring. But about is it. but is there also like there's a fear of looking weak by being like, oh, I need, oh, I have a, I have a headache. I need to. Anybody have Excedrin? Like, I can't get my shit done today because my head just hurts, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, admitting to that, uh, like, people are worried about their about how other people will perceive them, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so well, there fairly, is a, because people are assholes about this sort of thing. Sure, <laughs> yeah, but, like, yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's a strength in being able to just say what you need and do your shit, you know? Yeah, but, like, I mean, emotional connectivity, like, with yourself is not exactly a— a thing that people, uh, I think, especially especially on the male side of the equation for this stuff, uh, promote in any sort of healthy way. Yeah, it's all about that. How toxic can we get our masculinity? You know. Yeah, but I think I mean I guess my my general framing for this stuff is that uh, there are things for which you cannot be ready. 
So be ready with regards to the things you can be ready for. And otherwise you're going to be totally fucked at some point because you're not, you just got too much on your plate. So I think mental health, one of those things, uh, the physical health stuff, all of it, like anything you can take care of, it should be addressed because there's things that you can't, that you just have. Speaking from experience, you're just going to have to fucking deal with. So. <laughs> you're just going to have to deal with. Uh, ideally. But it's also, I mean, this is yeah. also like the fucking, you know, the, the fruit sticker problem that Seth, you know, mentioned a million years ago. hundred percent, yeah. And the idea of, uh, of, of minor nuisances, right? Um, where... Because we talk about this with work, right? Where it's like, okay, yeah, if if your if your work has a collection of sort of minor nuisances, where every day you sit down, you perform some set of the same tasks, to like get your get your process started. Every day you you sort of create the same kinds of errors, you know, like this sort of stuff, right? Then yeah, you can you can deal with that, right? You can you can continue manually dealing with that stuff, or you can find ways to prevent those from happening anymore, or to automate those processes and then make your daily life better. Uh, that exact same logic applies to physical and mental health, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just because you can put up with it, and it's, and it's even less about like like saving up for those things where now you can't. There is no work around it, and it's just the fact that like if you don't have to deal with that stuff, that's better. Yeah. Oh yeah. So so don't so don't. Yeah. Well, that was very boring, Adam. Very exactly. boring. Exactly. Me- medical so adventure. Uh, so thanks for the inspirational bory. <laughs> on that one. The boy. Uh, as far as studio news goes, we got we got a cool one, which is Levelhead is in the top 100 indie games uh, for the year, for their year-end roundup for IndieDB. And I believe there's some kind of community vote-a-thon yeah, thing. that's going on right now. So to get us in the top 10, which would be rad, because I th- believe we were in the top 10 last year, or we were an editor's pick for community management last year. Um as an un, unreleased game, then uh, we can actually probably, I think, land in the top 10 again. So if you want to go take, you know, a minute or two, sling a vote our way. If you go to IndieDB.com, there's just a big thing that's like top 100 voting. Click on that. Click on platformer. Vote. Level heads right there. Boom. Click on it. Just like just three clicks. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Um, that's all. That's all the studio news we're going to talk about. Yep. Because Because this week is cyberpunk week. Yep. <laughs> and uh, let, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Cyberpunk. So this game has been hyped forever. Uh, it was revealed, what, like a year and a half ago or something. And the reveal was basically, look, it's a dystopian hellscape with lots of bright lights. People got weird stuff on their bodies. And Keanu Reeves is there. Yep. Also, it's made by CD Projekt Red, the creators of The Witcher. So you bring all those things together. And the entire world just collectively shat their pants right off of their bodies. Mm-hmm. Okay. And importantly, this, this game was game, announced back in 2012, I think. Was 2012. They said were, Holy shit. Yeah. It was like really? eight years ago when they said they were working on it. Yeah. Jesus. So the hype yeah. train has been long, long rolling and uh, is roaring. So I want to say just right out of the gate, this game was so hyped. So they had 8 million pre-orders. Okay, The Witcher Three had 1.5 million. It's like sort of Jesus sort of perspective. This game, this game broke the Steam concurrent users record with one million concurrent users for a single player game. Yeah, for a single yeah. player game, uh, which of course sing- concurrent users literally don't matter for a single player yep. game. But it is impressive. But it's, yeah, uh, it's the part yeah. that's remarkable because I think at the time they were actually not beating out like like launch day numbers and stuff for multiplayer games, but they were, I think they were in the top ten or like even beating all or most of all of the 
top Valve multiplayer games for concurrency. Yeah, right. probably the only things above them at that point is like Dota. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> now, the, and the, the hype for this game was so big, so huge, that their that CD Projekt Red's stock price dropped by 8% because of this news that they had 1 million concurrent users and had 8 million pre-orders because people were expecting it to do even more than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was with their, their, So that's some hype. Their initial uh, Metacritic yeah. scores came out and they got, I think it was like a 91%, which I think is part of also what caused their stock to drop. Again, same thing. 91% as far as Metacritic Causes them to lose. <laughs> right, it's so like one of the best Metacritic scores you can get. You know, in the in the in the nineties. Um, yeah, the article I saw. Not good, good enough. Not that, good. That enough. makes it just just uh, the top, the fourth best PC game of this year. And I was like, I mean, that's it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it <laughs> it's came pretty out. good. But again, <laughs> according to like an aggregation of of yeah, random of shit, reviewers, yeah, random reviewers. Um, yeah, so. So this game uh, is doing great, obviously. Sam got to play around with it for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, so I think that's, that's the interesting thing about it. Because if you, if you read the reviews, uh, there's, there's two major things that are mentioned. Um, and there, there may be like light spoilers for it in this, in this following discussion. So if you don't hear anything about the biggest game launch to have happened literally probably ever, then, uh, you know, just fast forward a bit. Um, but the, the reviews so far have mentioned sort of two interesting things. So one is there's something like a business and like a run in your shit level, which is that comically, uh, you know, Cyberpunk is launching a game about a dystopian future or is, is a game about a dystopian future in which, you know, corporations rule everything. Everyone is like hacking their own bodies to create. They're basically people are like man-machine hybrids sort of across the board. Uh, a variety of cyborgs and stuff. Uh, freaky, some not, et cetera. And in this dystopian world, and, you know, the companies control everything. And comically, uh, CD Projekt Red also made people sign an NDA uh, about talking about the game, reviewing the game, showing any footage of the game uh, for the console versions in particular uh, before the launch of the game. So in other words, no one could no one actually got to see screenshots of what the game looks like on consoles until after until after launch day. Yeah. Or I guess till launch day. Yeah. players were, were posting them. <laughs> yeah. And people couldn't share, uh, couldn't share anything aside from marketing B-roll. So you couldn't capture your own stuff. So there's this really intense lockdown on information flow, um, which, you know, when you, when you look at CD Projekt Red, like they're, they're a publicly traded company in uh, Poland, uh, we're located. And, um, but they only have the Witcher. Like that's, it's the Witcher series is the, and then like Gwent, I think they made a card game kind of Hearthstone-esque you know, out of it, mm-hmm. but um, they don't exactly have a lot of games going on. It's like the well, Witcher they own Gog, right? They own Gog as well. Um, yeah, but they don't have like too much going on. And so, you know, this is one of those scenarios where if if this game does poorly or or whatever else is perceived poorly, yeah, you're going to have literally a stock price hit, like it's guaranteed. Uh, so there's a lot of incentive here on a corporate level to do some fucked up stuff, which is great because it's the same story as the game, you know? Well, yeah, and also like the, all the tales of crunch and everything, which is also the other big part of the discussion, yeah. right? Uh, of basically treating treating their employees like like things that they own and the whole the whole deal. Like, yeah, it, it butts up hilariously against the the premise and, and the world in which the game lives. Yeah, it's the same. Actually, it's the same damn thing, which is incredible. So – 
uh, for those that are not familiar as well, the game was originally supposed to come out in April. You know, to meet that deadline, the teams were already crunching at that time. I think uh, they crunched for six months. Six months leading up to that, Cr- crunch meaning like eighty working eighty hours a week or more, um, re- mandatory for everybody on the team. Uh, so that's typically how that goes. And for they also, yeah. So then they kicked the kicked it to uh, September, and then also kicked it to December. The team's crunching the whole time. So in other words, the team has essentially been crunched. I don't even know, like probably a year and a half, two years, or some crazy shit. Um, <laughs> Which is also madness. So these these are the the sort of high level weird things that are happening in the background of this game coming out um, during a during a pandemic. During a pandemic, but, yeah. There's not to not to mention. Yeah, so it's it's sort of frankly like the, the overarching soup that this thing is swimming in is is just a, a fascinating <laughs> one. We could dive into. But um, I did actually play the game. Importantly. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't pre-order it, but I got it the day of because on Steam, of course, they had a huge takeover. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot this was happening. So uh went ahead and got it, played through it. And I got to say, um, one, is it like very, very pretty? Yes, absolutely. Is the world building really intense and like and thorough? Yes. Uh, have I enjoyed it a lot? Uh, it's fine. <laughs> Honestly, it's fine. Um, and I think that's that's also been reflected in, in a number of the, the general critical opinions about it, too. Uh, and to anybody who says that it's because it was rushed out or or they just needed more time, I completely disagree. Uh, there's some big structural choices at the bottom of this game that I think make it so that, uh, in my mind, like it's it's like an eight, maybe seven or an eight, uh, mm-hmm. which as far as like a hype train rolling into the station, like that is that is not what you want to show up, you know. Uh, to show up there because it might as well be a one at that point, you know. <laughs> well, truthfully, I mean, you, what did you just? How many lives did you destroy to make this product that everyone's like? It's, I mean, I yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so yep. the, the litany of problems uh, that I have with it are again none of them related to bugs either or graphics. I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. You know, I play. I love indie games. I play a lot of two D stuff. So uh, graphical fidelity is not something I'm like gonna have any issues with i didn't have any bugs my, in my playthrough um what i do have an issue with is a number of the just the design choices that have confused the shit out of me so first off let's just talk about just briefly at least in the character creator you get to choose you get to choose your genitalia okay you get to customize it it's a big story point later on yeah so why though so I, this hasn't come up <laughs> this hasn't come up in any way shape or form uh as like as in the rest of the game uh, I think I saw myself naked once in a mirror, but that was like, I think, I think that was probably the only glitch I had. I definitely had clothes on my hair and my clothes just disappeared. Looking there. Well, there is a bug <laughs> people were experiencing though, where when they looked at themselves in a mirror naked, their handcrafted customized genitals weren't even there. Yeah. The mirror, know. the mirror doesn't reflect them. For yep. some- <laughs> they're, va- they're vampiric. Um, yeah. And so that's one of those questions where I'm like, what in the hell? <laughs> Did you do this for? What is it? Well, uh, yeah, yeah. But I think this, this kind of butts up against another interesting thing, which is like the, like the the puritanical uh, American perception of of sex and genitalia, all this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Because like, there's nothing that we should be like, like, because on the one hand, this shouldn't be a problem from like a like this is like gross or whatever kind of a way, right, or inappropriate or whatever. But even even though that's true, still, why though? Yeah, it was me. Because yeah, like, then what, what's the first thing that happens? You put pants on, and then you move on with the story, yeah. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> yeah. I've never, never seen those genitals the whole rest of the game, you know, except for on accident. <laughs> so 
that's what that, that's what I mean by it. Like, as far as uh, yeah, I don't I don't care. As far as far as spending a bunch of development resources that's on something is. that just doesn't actually do anything at any future point or re- or or come into play in any meaningful uh, way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, why? Uh, so that's, that's number one, which is, was just confusing. And then, uh, number two is I, I think the, the overall marketing for it is such that it, it, it very much says that this is like an open world RPG, right? Where you can kind of, you choose your, your destiny to a degree. You're like making your own character. Um, but the actual, the way the story is delivered, uh, feels much more like an on rails single player experience, if that makes sense. Um, it's it's far it's far less of an experience of you, at least of what I've I played for like uh, probably seven or eight hours. Um, it's it's far less of an experience where you feel like you're making critical decisions and more like very much more like you're along for the ride. And and I do mean this in a bad way because there's been a number of times I don't know how many times this game I think it's been four times now in eight hours where my character has been just like punched in the face I've been knocked out and then I just wake up somewhere else. And <laughs> and in the flow of a conversation where I couldn't do. It does. There doesn't appear to be a way that I could have not gotten punched in the face. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, uh-huh. It's so it's supposed like the the promise of quote open world games typically is like you know go anywhere, sort of a Grand Theft Auto situation. Like here's a whole city, just go do whatever. Yeah, whatever you want. It weirdly enough, like they they take away control of the player character a lot, a lot during the story moments. And I have ridden in cars. As a passenger in a car through Night City, which the first time I did it, I was like, this is cool. I'm like looking out the window, neat. Uh, but then since then, I've just been like – there's been I think two helicopter rides, I think three more car rides where I was just a passenger just hanging out while someone's talking to me for like – and I don't mean a short period of time. I mean like fucking like 15 minutes uh, <laughs> each time. This happened last night. I hit like a, what I thought was a critical story point, point moment, uh, basically get knocked out in one form or another. Uh, 20 minutes of me, like, not doing fucking anything (laughs) and also being very confused, okay? Because Uh the narrative itself is also very confusing. The only reason I knew it was going on was because I had read a tip on the loading screen, like, three hours before and happened to remember most shit that I read, right? So, like, (laughs) (laughs) otherwise I would have been like, what the fuck is going on? So, uh... Very, I'm like, okay, whatever, you know. And I saw some people where they're like, oh, but this, the characters are so heartfelt. I haven't felt a thing for these people. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> and if, if you say, like, at first I was like, maybe I have a problem. But interestingly, uh, I played Dragon Age Origins for a couple of days leading up to this. And this, game's, this game came out in 2009, okay? Mm-hmm. Another RPG. Uh, I felt more in the first 15 minutes of that game than I have felt this entire fucking time. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. And then, but to uh, be fair, Dragon Age Origins in my is, in my opinion, one of the best RPGs it is. ever made. It's absolutely fantastic. But, uh, but I think you know, given the hype around Cyberpunk, it's appropriate. You to would try think to you would think it would be up there also, but yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then does it beyond- feel like? Does it feel like? Because uh, this is one of, the th- one of the things I worry about about kind of modern, uh, you know, AAA and where where it's going with like because we just saw the the trailer for a new arc with uh, with Vin Diesel as a character the, now, yep. right? Uh, and, and one of the things that I worry about with these is that uh, it's it's extremely difficult to to have the level of technical uh, impressiveness, right? Yes. That you're getting in a, in a game like this, while also having it be a, a game, 
right? Because games are things that give you choice and options and skills and like the, and and divergent paths of the of way things can go and all that kind of stuff. And the more the more costly it is to develop the game, the less of those things you can do because you have to deal with all the because the technical implications of every one of those player choices that you allow for are enormous. And so so by having these like turn into more and more like basically cinematic experiences, it seems like at least for a while, the end result of that has to be that you are making a movie, you know? Yes. And you're trying to give as much player agency within the movie as, as you can, but it's a movie though, right? There's only so much you can do because the budget explosion for player choice is just, it's you, it's too much. You can't control it. So yeah. well, does it, just does for it this feel lab, when you're this... playing this game, like, mm-hmm. like basically they wanted to show you the city that they had made because it's so impressive. So they put you in a helicopter, but they don't want you to fly the helicopter because that would have meant they had to deal with the fact that you could go anywhere. Like, is that, yeah. is that like what it yeah, feels that's, like? Yeah, that's sort of the vibe. And importantly, like, you know, I played God of War as well, which is like very much a cinematic experience in this, in the same vein where you're like, you're just the whole time you're frequently just like, holy shit. Like, wow, this is, I don't even know how they did any of this stuff, right? Uh, but that one feels extremely well put together where the the, mm-hmm. the cinematic aspects of it bleed perfectly into the gameplay and you are doing stuff a lot. Like the the storytelling is done um, in such a way that it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's sort of... Uh, but it's also a very combat-heavy game, right? So like, and, and not open world? Yes. Well, it is a, it is, is it well, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's that same sort of thing where it, it, Seems like it's open world when really it's a, a couple different corrals that you right. you know get moved through, um, but yes, yeah, so I think the the overall effect for me has been has been one of just sort of uh, really po- pointing out all of these. It's like you can have infinite budget, you can destroy many lives in the process of you could consume a lot of souls uh, to make a game, um, but none of those things by itself will determine whether or not it's any good. And we we talk about this on the on the podcast quite a bit, uh, especially as we lead up to, uh, you know, uh, Crashlands 2 stuff, which is the decisions you make at the outset of a game structurally are, are the most important decisions, uh, around the game. And, and that's what I mean when I say, I don't, I don't think there's, there's not a patch that can fix this, if that makes sense. Um, there's a billion other problems I have with it. Like you get calls on a cell phone fucking constantly in the game. You get text messages from the same cell phone fucking constantly, uh, people are just interrupt. You're just like, I'm trying to get here to shoot people. I'm getting phone calls constantly. People are talking to me. <laughs> and then I got to interrupt that conversation. Like to talk to someone else. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I'm like, I, and then I'm like reading emails on someone's computer. It's so, I was like, I don't like this at all. Like, <laughs> this is not what I'm here for. And it, they, but again, impressive as fuck. The whole thing. Very impressive. Uh, yeah. but is it, is it actually serving that entertainment experience? Yeah. I, I don't really think so. Um, hmm. and I got to say, I'm, I'm very tired of this this open world approach where you just like you just litter tiny objects all over the goddamn place. Like I'm I'm not a vacuum, you know. Uh, not here to just. I want to just shoot stuff. I want to be a cool cyberpunk, and it makes sense in a world of scarcity. But I have money. I have gang connections. I have corporate connections in this world. I don't need to pick up every soda bottle. I just don't. Like I just fucking don't. You know, right. it's, not, it's not a survival game. It's not a survival uh, game. It's a shooter. You're, you're, you're in a densely populated city with everything that you need. You don't need to like be picking up pencils yeah. off of every desk that you go. Yeah. And they have these. They have these uh, like lore sticks. I what I call it. basically USB drives. So it's like all over the fucking place. They're also tiny, and so you find them just sort of like 
everywhere you every, can't stop, can't take like three steps without crushing one of these underfoot. But reading them, all it, all it is, all it does is give you like more, like another, you know, angle of the world. It'd be like an ad for something or someone's text to their mom or some shit. But so, none of them are usable. It, like right. I can't read one and be like, oh, I'm in this location right now. This guy's talking about this door. And if I go, but, but you right. know, there's, there's no, no actual like the fallout style. Little correct bits of information where they like mention a cache somewhere. Like if you like go into the sea, exactly. to the yeah, northwest. Yeah. There's none of that engagement with, I don't know. So an incredible technical feat. Uh, is it a good game? My vote. No, literally no. But if you want to go have that experience, like you know, go for it. And I, again, I don't, I'm not like shaming anybody who's having a good time. It's still fun to poke around in, but like, am I interested in returning? No. I'm gonna go play Dragon Age to be honest this weekend. <laughs> That's so where basically, I'm at. looks looks good, technically impressive world. Uh, ga- gameplay is a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag. So, it, but maybe it might be your mixed bag. I don't know, just not mine. So there's there's my my review score. We've all got our own mixed bags. Mm-hmm. All right, maybe I'll wait for a sale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get on to some questions. All right, these questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. Highest upvoted question comes from Chalosis, who says, I love being the jack-of-all-trades, master of none when it comes to making games. But everyone says it's a bad strategy. Who's wrong, me or everyone? <laughs> is this a sustainable strategy? <laughs> I like how you're not – Chalosis is not included in everyone. It's me, me or everyone. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, everyone's wrong. Uh, all just you and everyone, yeah. you know, we're all wrong all the time. So just, you know, put that out of your mind. Mm-hmm. Don't even worry about that part. Cause that's a given. Yep. Uh, I think when it comes to being Jack of all trades, it really just depends on whether you have the opportunity to be part of a team. Yes. Cause if you are trying to make games by yourself and you're like, I am only a programmer. I don't care about art. I don't care about making things look good. Well, you're probably going to make a real shit piece. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so if you are a solo dev, be a jack of all trades, you know, and you're going to learn a lot and really, yeah, Mm -hmm. you're going to learn a lot and you're going to make some, some pretty cool stuff and you get to participate in the whole pipeline. You know, one day you'll be making a bunch of art assets and the next day you'll go to implement them and you'll be like, wait, why have I done this to me? (laughs) Wait a minute. This is a business (laughs) bad. Um, and honestly, you know, that's, that's, was, that's my background. I spent my first couple of years uh, making my own games, and that actually made it far easier when Sam and I started working together at, at first. It made it far easier uh, for me to know what, uh, what to talk to him about when he started doing art. Because well, I knew yeah, what I That leads needed, us to right? the, the ideal, because the ideal is that you're a jack-of-all-trades, master of one. Mm-hmm. Right, right that you know that you know some stuff about everything, uh, but you know a lot about one thing. It's the T-shaped developer, right? Shallow knowledge in many areas and deep knowledge in one area. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just just keep keep doing everything, and then if at some point an opportunity comes up to jump onto a team, you'll you'll be able to bring a lot to that team, and then you can specialize. Well, and the mm-hmm. fact yeah. is, there's no there's there's no like ideal amount of knowledge in any particular domain just as a concept right there's there's the the matching up of what you are capable of and the problem that you're trying to solve or in the case of game development the problem that you've created for yourself that you're not trying to solve right? <laughs> that's all we do you know that's all yeah we're just inventing problems none of these things <laughs> exist we're just inventing it right so uh so if there's a mismatch 
between your various skills that you have and the thing that you're trying to make, then that's a problem. But if there isn't, then it's not a problem. So no problem. Well, I think it turns out the context matters. Just you know, like it always does. Yeah, and importantly, you know, I think the the interesting thing is if you're working by yourself uh, and you are designing the things yourself, you know, design is is functionally problem solving with constraint. That's literally all it is. And so the weird thing about it is, you know, we've talked about this with regard to the art about using Game Maker, uh, our web tech, the total team size we have, like the way we solve our problems is based on the constraints we have. You know, we're like, we're not out here trying to get VC money to solve a problem that we can't even solve ourselves. Uh, and that's sort of like what the goal is. Uh, we're, we're, we're solving things for the games that we want to make uh, in the ways that we can. And so the interesting thing about the, the I think the only problematic, you know, thinking or, or framing around this stuff can be that you don't have this, you don't have enough, X, Y, or Z to do uh, to do what you want to do because sometimes it's it's about changing your your design or changing your uh, your targeting so that you make something and maybe that might not be sufficient because sometimes it isn't you know vision wise you do need to go get some skills but oftentimes it is perfectly fine to go do and also the rest of that quote is really important which is Jack of all trades master of none still better than a master of one I'm pretty sure so uh, yeah everybody sort of forgets the second half of the of the saying yeah yeah it is it is not good to to literally only know one thing if you know that thing very well because but I, I would also argue that you actually you can't be a master of one without also knowing a whole bunch of other yep. stuff because 100%. everything has context everything makes more sense in context and things do not exist in isolation so you can't be like a master programmer but not be able to write an english assuming you're in an English-speaking place, uh, not be right in English sense, right? Like you can't really be because part of what you do as a master programmer is articulate concepts to other human beings, right? Write uh, documentation, write documentation, for the software you make. Yeah, and so yeah. so you can't. It's actually it's just not a thing. It's not a thing just to be really good at at a thing, right? And and leaving all else. So yeah, so I guess everyone's wrong is still the, Every, everyone's still wrong, just as yep. we suspected. <laughs> uh, all right. Next question comes from Tim Conceivable, who says, I have the hardest time completing things that I have little interest in or find overwhelming to deal with. Probably something everyone struggles with from time to time, but it's even worse with ADHD. True fact. What are some methods you have found helpful to tackle the tasks you dread? Okay, I have one. I have one example that is like always in the back of my mind. Okay. When I was in law school, everybody, okay, so for starters, reading, uh, reading cases, it's real fucking boring. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so boring. So what's I had to read well, all give these us cases. Like, what's the what's a case? Like, what's the context? It's a judge. It's a judge's opinion that okay. they've rendered about a case, right? So, so is it just so you basically full of legal jargon and yeah. Well, and it's dictated. So so if you if you read a like it's it's not actually structured for reading. It was structured so that the person writing it down as the judge was speaking could just get it onto paper. As quickly as they could. And as you know, like when people speak, they don't speak in complete sentences or paragraphs. Mm-hmm. They have long pauses, they backtrack on things, you know, whatever. Judges actually are much better than just about anybody at dictating because that's all they do, but it's still a lot. Um, so what you got to do in law school is when you're studying an area of law, what you're really studying is a lot of times these cases. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how that's how you learn about how the law gets applied. And then you take exams on it, right? 
So uh, one of the, the core strategies that law students use is this idea of outlining. Where they go through these different cases, they go through their notes from class, and they put together this giant outline oftentimes 50, 100 pages long because all of the exams are open note, right? Mm. Which you think like, oh, it's an open note exam. That's great for me because I can just look up the answers. It never problem is. is yeah. Yeah. yeah, problem is that means that it gives the professors uh, an excuse to sort of build the exams around any of the most obscure, pointless things because they expect you to be able to look it up, right? So, so it's kind of like an arms race problem. And so many, uh, so many of, of my uh, classmates focused their studying and outlining strategy around compiling literally as much information as they could so that they could look it up, right? This is – if you're a person with ADHD, if you're a person who has a hard time doing things that are boring, what this amounts to is, is you would be going through information that is obvious or that you already know over and over and over and over again and rewriting it and recompiling it, Right. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's just terrible. Bore me to tears. Yeah. So my strategy was to start with my outline uh, or start, start with my notes, but turn them into questions. Any question that I couldn't answer, I would migrate to the next document. So my, my study document just kept shrinking, mm. right? So like anything that I, that I just knew right offhand, I never looked at it again. And then I would go through that document, figure out the answers to those questions, a few days later, look at it. Anything I couldn't answer, I'd bring to the next document. By the time test day came, I came in with a single sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. Okay, everybody else had like 100 fucking pages of notes. I just had a single sheet of paper. I did great. <laughs> it worked great. <laughs> I assume you finished uh, before everybody else too because you – Oh, yeah. Yeah, you just I wasn't had the flipping around. I just I – just, I, just, I, knew, I knew the stuff I knew and I knew the stuff I didn't know because all the stuff I did know was on that one sheet of paper, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so a lot of it is about – Recognizing where the boring parts are and f- seeing if you can just not, you know, if you can find a way to just cut those out of the process. Well, sometimes or, if, if, there's a, if there's a problem you can't solve, uh, one, of your, one of the options you have is to solve a different problem, right? So yeah. the, the problem here is, is, is not uh, how do I outline efficiently as a person with ADHD. It's how do I approach this studying task? in an interesting enough way as a person with ADHD, such that it actually you know, fits with my with Yeah, my so that the end result is you have studied for this test and you mm-hmm. can, yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah. So, so sometimes it's about uh, shifting, where, shifting where you believe the problem is so that you can uh, you know, have, have basically, it's like doing design, right? You basically do a little design session on it, which in itself usually is fun, um, and figure out how to solve it. So that, yeah, that's a good one. It's very good. Right? Yeah. Adam, uh, you, so do you have any... We're good. No, that's it. So you have me good, Adam. <laughs> uh, Things. Yeah. So I think I I don't have a good um, general strategy because my mine is similar in the sense that uh, uh, I find studying incredibly boring. Um, uh, I find I find slowly learning things incredibly boring uh, and very hard to do. And so so my my approach towards learning new things uh, so that I could. Like pay like because the the first part of learning new things is always shitty, right? Because like you you don't know what's happening, you're confused, uh, everything's new. So then you're and then also usually it's dry, so it's like it's boring. You don't know what's happening, so it's just you know it sucks, right? Uh, also true with starting a new project, you don't know how you're going to solve these problems. 
so and also the problem is probably boring. <laughs> so, so it's just like it all starts over again, right? Um, so, so for me, for for learning purposes, uh, I would always make it more than I could handle to to be interesting. So. Uh, so like the best I ever did in college was when I took a workload that my advisor told me was too much. And that mm. was, that was my best year was, was that year because I had so much shit to do that, uh, that, that the hard part was finding out how to, how to like get away with like just doing enough in each place to get it all done. Right. Which turned out to be your optimal way of operating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, and so I, I didn't spend time in being like in this one class being like, Oh, let me like compile this, you know, really, really thorough, really good way of doing a thing. Cause I didn't have time to right? So then the problem I had to solve was like, how do I accomplish the same goal without it? So it was basically a trial by fire kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, you created a structural environment where you, you had to operate kind of in your best in your best yeah. way in a, in a higher pressure, more exciting right. kind of an atmosphere. Which, Certainly wouldn't work for everybody, but it, does, <laughs> yeah. it did work for me. Uh, and there's also have the, then I've learned them kind of since then on out. So when I when I sat down to learn uh, the new, more modern web programming practices before I built uh, Rumpus a, a few years ago, uh, it was the same deal. I just like I was like, okay, what do I need to know? And I just did some googling to find out kind of what I needed to learn about. Then I just bought like three books and I read them all, right? And I just like I just did it. And uh, and of course, on the one hand, those were boring to read. On the other hand, I had a goal, right? Which was like, I got to read these three books. Like, and I, I'm going to barely understand fucking any of it as I'm going. So I'm not going to get distracted by the fact that I don't know what's happening. I just like power through it because then I can, you, because then I, then I come away with that with this like good, rough idea of how this thing works that I can then go to the part that is a lot more interesting, which is try to build a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and then otherwise, when I was, when I was in grad school, I had a similar approach to kind of what Seth did, where it was, it was that idea of of trying to make it so that the only things I had to focus on were the things that I didn't know, which is the, that's basically what flashcards are, right? Is uh, so I used a flashcard because I, I had to memorize like which which uh, which scientist authored which papers with which discoveries, and then for each one of those papers, because uh, right, yes. I mean it's all primary literature, so it's like for each one of these papers, what experiments did they did? What did the graphs look like? Uh, what were the weaknesses in each one? And all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, and so, like, so my my dissertation had uh, had its citation list is like two hundred twenty papers or something like that, right? And so I had to know every fucking one of those papers, right? Uh, they're dry. You're not allowed to write fun stuff as a scientist, and so dry as fuck papers. And so it was the same approach. I just like it was. I ha- I just had I had uh, I would just build different lists of things and then just like flip through them and then test myself on it and then whittle it down to the stuff that I didn't know. And then otherwise I would do everything that I could to convert um, boring specific knowledge into general knowledge so that I could infer close enough the answers to specific questions using general knowledge, right? Um, so that's that's always been, been my approach um, is to try to get the gist of a thing and focus on the gist so that right. the details are just like side effects of the gist of the thing, you know? But well, what about – the- you you go you go. Uh, I was gonna say. I think the fun part about this, though, is that actually by doing this sort of uh, focusing only on what you don't know, then it actually turns it almost into a measurable outcome. Because yeah. if you if you have a, I think the mistake a lot of people make with flashcards is they'll be like, I got my hundred flashcards. I'm just gonna keep running through this stack. Mm-hmm. Just keep running through every all. I'm just gonna go through all hundred flashcards like once a day. And, and, and like, it yeah, feels but, good to, to like to know the ones that you know, right? So like you hit, you know. Yeah. 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 So, so 
but the problem is like you just keep going over stuff that you just don't need to go over because you know it, right? If instead the goal is like, I'm gonna go through this pile of flashcards until there aren't any left, right? And then basically like anytime you get one right, just set it aside. And you're making a new stack, like a, a continually shrinking stack mm-hmm. of cards that you're struggling with until eventually you just got like two cards. Focus on those for a little yeah. while till you really get it, you know. But again, yeah, for me, both. for me, it still always has been the how and the why, which is also why I loved science, right? Is because you get to you get to if you learn the big picture, then you can you can just compute, right? You can compute the little stuff because like, uh, but this this sort of same kind of concept could also work in in law potentially, just as another example, right? Because uh, because these cases are written by human beings, right? Who have certain ways of thinking. And so if you, after you've read like a case or two from a particular judge, you sort of think about like the kinds of opinions this judge has, right? And why, and how he's, how that person's getting there, right? Like, uh, like what is their mental framework? Uh, what is their view of society? What is their view of the constitution or whatever? Like, what is the thing that's like leading them to these conclusions? Because yep. if you can figure that out really well, then even all the little details you forget, you could guess the right answer more often. Yeah, than you're not, like, right? I'm pretty sure they would say something like this about yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. Right. So yeah. I'm just gonna go with that. Here's my question is <laughs> though, because I think both both of what you guys are talking about are when you're in pursuit of a bigger thing that itself you could probably get excited about, whether it's like I'm gonna complete law school or I'm gonna be a scientist, what the fuck. But I think there's a very important question here, which is what about the regular stuff? Like you got to take out the trash and do X, Y, Z chores, whatever else. Yeah, that uh, stuff I just don't do if I can get away with it. Or if I have to do it, I'd put on a podcast that I'm entertaining myself via other means that don't interfere with my ability to do that boring stuff. Yeah, I would say too, like there's there's something about uh, about having uh, an issue like like ADHD where – those larger goals generally don't really matter that much because the thing that you're currently doing Correct. has to be engaging. Yep. Right. And so, so even though those things occurred in the context of trying to become a scientist or trying to get through law school or whatever the case may be, um, I think like my, my finance, uh, uh, background is, is a good example of that, which is that like, I'm actually, I don't care about finance. Like I just, I don't, it's it's not that that uh, big of a deal to like be able to predict the price of a stock because you're wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So so it doesn't matter. Um, but what was fun about it was that when I did finance, I did the exact thing that Adam was talking about, which is I declared a finance major uh, with one semester to go, and then I had to take all the finance classes in one semester uh, in order to get through it, and it was my best semester. Not not because I was like in pursuit of some huge thing that I was really passionate about, but just because it was really engaging, you know, to just like <laughs> on a day to day, just to just have that many things bouncing around in my head and uh, to to deal with, you know. So so in in a lot of times uh, we've talked on the podcast about about trying to figure out how to swim with the current of life instead of against it, uh, which means think about the structure. Around you, mm-hmm. think about the environment that you're in and how that is uh, reinforcing your your tendencies to succeed or or suppressing your tendencies to succeed. Right. So that's that's simple stuff. Like if you find yourself uh, like 
upset because every morning you pick up and the first thing you do every, every morning, like you get up and the first thing you do is you pick up your phone and browse a bunch of terrible news and feel sad, right? Uh, what if you charged your phone in a complete, like the farthest corner of your living space, you know, mm-hmm. from where you sleep so that that it's going to be a while before you get to your phone and you can start to break the habit, you know, yeah. those kinds of and things. And what I used to do for, for particularly, because I, because yeah, none of this is to say that I, that I still wasn't bored a lot of the time, which was true. And what I would often do, and this was, you know, in the before times, um, would be go to a coffee shop with nothing but the materials required for me to like do the thing. Right. No, no phone, no laptop. Yeah. We didn't really have. Yeah. And then I still get interested because <laughs> right? now it's a change of scene. I'm still getting engaged because like I get a cup of coffee and it's like, I'm having that whole experience. And, uh, and then I'm having more of a, I've, I've converted that, that boring task into an experience of some sort. That's right? actually, so yeah, that, that's actually, yeah. I'm just yep. realizing that's exactly what I used to do. Cause I would go, the best time I had was actually when I started going to the library to study, which like, you know, I had. Yeah. I think I only went there literally. I think the 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 last three quarters of my senior year was the only. That was the first time <laughs> I was in the library. Um, and you're like, oh, this is kind of nice. Yes, yeah. I, I get it. Now. Because what I'd I do is I'd stop by, get a coffee at the little coffee shop thing, and then yep. I'd go in there. And it's the it's the mood in the place. It's the scene. I think the the thing that's more that causes more struggle though is like when you're when you are in a context of your own making, like at home, you got to like work through some mail or you got to do X, Y, or Z. I think that the difficulty and kind of maybe what we're, what we're circling around is, is that it's sometimes it, it can be far more engaging and better to step back and ask yourself how to solve that problem for yourself than to just try to do it. If that makes sense. Like yep. solving the problem of uh, maybe you want to always like have your get through like a, just a huge stack of mail. Um, the reality might be that like if when you sit down to – because everyone's very particular about certain things. So for me in particular, I do actually like to have my desk relatively tidy. So if there's mail that I w- want to force myself to deal with, I just put it, yeah, put on, it on my desk. desk. Yep. Like that's the step I have to take and then, I, and then it will literally be handled within two days because it just annoys the shit out of me, right? Um, yeah. And I won't, like I'm not going to move it out of the room. I'm not going to take it back like downstairs or something. So – there's ways to kind of, uh, I guess, think about those points where you where you are very particular about how things work, whatever else, and you can use those as these little kind of jam points. Yeah, that. or just seeing which is the hardest part, right? So, like, so for me, for stuff that I don't want to do, it's the it's the inertia, it's getting it's getting started that's always the hard part. And so, uh, so what I try to do is have rituals around it. So for me, like, I do the same thing I used to do where I would like like in, even when I was in grad school, there was a cafeteria on the first floor, and so I would just probably three or four times a day, I would just ride down the thing, go get a cheap cup of coffee, right? Uh, or then sort of down the hall, uh, the the pharmacology department just had sh- just fucking garbage coffee just available at all times. And so I would go drink that like also three or four times. I was had a lot of coffee back then. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was part of a ritual. It's like, cause I, and, and it's one of the things like in retrospect, I know what was happening was I was getting bored. Is what was happening, right? Yep. And so I would just go like begin the ritual again. This is what I do now at home. Now at home, um, usually three or four times during the workday, all of a sudden I just like I'm like I need a break, and I get up and I go downstairs and I make some tea or coffee, right? And it's like it's part of that ritual of being like because th- those things I associate with like getting work done is like having a warm cup of something, you know. Mm-hmm. And so a as soon as I start getting bored, cup. yeah, right, it has to be a fresh <laughs> cup. Uh, and, uh, and it's part of the ritual though, right? Is, is, is I start to feel myself go in that spot and my, now my automatic behavior is just to like, 
go perform the ritual to, to kick things off. And then otherwise for things like chores and stuff, um, because my inertia for those is also very hard to get over. Uh, I do it all in one fucking go. It's just like every Saturday morning. Um, it's part of the routine is that it's not even a routine. Isn't like it just happens. It's that I know this is the rule, right? On Saturday morning, I get up, I do like get mostly ready for the day like usual, but I don't shower yet. Because once I've showered, like, this is my day now, you know? This is like, mm-hmm. yeah. And so before, so before that, like, <laughs> vacuum the whole fucking house. Do all the chores. Do, like, do everything. And so that it's Get sweaty. Get filthy. Yep. And then I go right. shower, and now I'm like, okay, now it's back to my, back to, like, the life that I want to live, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good, I mean, yeah, my, uh, shit, you know? I just, on Sunday, I go to church. <laughs> nice. You know, church. Which is... Which is <laughs> Which is the church of chores. Uh, I try to put off everything that I possibly can until Sunday morning, yep. and then I just do, I just do all of it. Nice yep. thing is in winter, there's there's a lot less to do. You yeah. know, so all no the leaves yards. are already picked up. The yard's not doing anything. It's basically laundry day at that point. You know, yeah, and, yeah. And, and but, for uh, yeah, and then for like for yard stuff for me, I just take advantage of the fact that. Uh, that things like weeds and stuff just annoy me. And so all I have to do, I know, like in the summer, is I have to get outside. If I can get outside, weeds Once will you're get out there, That's just what's you'll see happen. a weed and you just start pulling it yeah, out. If you, pull, you can't yeah. pull one weed because there's one right next to it, you know? So then like- The ADHD <laughs> kicks in. You yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, and now you start playing a completionist game, you know? Uh, yeah. Indoor chores are, always suck, though. I don't know. I, I haven't ever found a time where I enjoyed doing indoor chores. I think it's you can't change context. That's why, like, it, there's no coffee shop outdoor equivalent because you're in your damn house. Yeah, you know, it's. Well, so I, hard. I found it's it's been very hard to maintain an exercise routine while working from home without being able to go to the gym. You know, yep. Uh, because like, so we we set up a home gym area, and my wife has been great about it. She's doing CrossFit from home. Like, we got a squat rack, we got barbell, like we got. There's no excuse for me not to be work, like just ripped as fuck right now mm-hmm. because we have so many different ways for me to exercise at home. <laughs> but you, <laughs> but but you have but to not. go in there. Yeah. You got to like yeah. decide to do it. You got to put on your gym clothes and you got to go in there. Yeah. I mean, think about this. Think about this. I'm working out in a room where from that room, I can see my own kitchen full of snacks, mm-hmm. <laughs> full of full of beverages. Ice cold beverages for me to drink. There's a table there I can sit down and and just have a snack and eat. You know, I'm, I'm looking at it. All I gotta do is take three steps and walk through a doorway, and boom, gym session over. It's snack time. I am just chill, mm-hmm. right? It is. It is so much different than if you like Sam your library ritual. You know. Yep. If I if I if I say hey, it's end of the workday. It's gym time. Pack my bag, hop in the car, drive over to the gym. I'm there now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm committed. You know, I'm going to do my whole workout. I'm going to finish the thing. It's kind of like pulling the weeds, right? You go, you go yeah. do one lift, and you're like, "Well, man, I'm over here." I mean, while I'm here, I guess I'll also <laughs> do like back and some squats and stuff. Uh, so you do all that, and then because there's a whole there's a whole ritual, there's a process, and and I can't just take three steps and suddenly be done with my workout. You know. Yeah, so. I, for for the at home workout stuff, I found I use an app called Seven, which is just a seven ish minute workout thing. But importantly, what it is is it just it's basically thirty seconds of a particular exercise and then fifteen seconds off, and no weights or anything like that. Um, so it's the same thing where I don't have any excuses because literally as soon as I hit the button on my phone, it starts right. I'm like I'm ready to go, 
And the fun thing about it, though, is that I haven't had a session where I stopped early on any of them, right? Because one, I know it's only like seven minutes long, and two, it changes every 30 seconds. So I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm here for it. Um, because there's always <laughs> something coming up that I'm, you know, excited to do or, whatever, or try out. Uh, so again, it's like finding stuff that fits your mode uh, is yeah, actually sort yeah, of I the think, first challenge. I think the mistake that people make is trying to force themselves to like to do the boring task. Right? Yeah. The, the change the task. Is, yeah, how do I how do I change the task or my approach to the task so it's doable? Uh, but, it's, but but along with all this, like uh, it, if you if you do have something like ADHD that makes all of this stuff just like extra hard, that sometimes it's basically impossible to get that thing done, right? And so in some cases, you need medication to be able to actually get across mm-hmm. these thresholds, right? Uh, it's not. There's not no this, shame in that. There's no shame in that. There's and there's not. There's just not a solution where it's like, oh yeah, if you find this hard to do, then like here's here's the trick, right? Because as you heard, all three of us have different tricks. There's some relationships. Like a lot of it's about forming rituals and stuff, right? Um, but we all have different tricks, and some of them are more successful than others. And and the reality, uh, you know, I will absolutely admit for my own life is that outside of work. Uh, my life is basically chaos and it works because I, <laughs> because I, because I don't have kids, uh, and I've got cats, which is, you know, both part of the chaos, but also you know, it's, it's a thing that I have to have to wrangle. Um, but yeah, but, but things work out for me because I've designed, I've been able to design my home life, uh, around the fact that I hate doing and, and will try not to do chores. Right, uh, which which isn't also is not an option for everybody, right? But but I think I think it, it's just it's one of those important things to say, like it as a as a company and as a studio, and like on the podcast talking about all the stuff that we do and all these process improvements that we make and all this kind of stuff, like that basically applies to work for me, you know. But it, and at home, I'm just like, what can I not? What can I not do? Because it turns what out you can, can get away with not doing most things, you know, uh, if you know for good or for ill. Um, do you make yourself a I'm not doing this today checklist so you can check off all the things <laughs> that, <you're> not, <laughs> that you d- didn't do for the day? I do that by having a checklist of things I'm supposed to do and then just not doing those things, which comes out, you know, comes out the same. Yeah, you comes just rewrite the title afterward. <laughs> yeah, things I didn't do. Uh, to do list, then you just put a little insert like to to not do mm-hmm. today. Yeah, so I think, I think, I think yep, the didn't fact do that, is, didn't do that. Yeah, the fact is that this stuff is really hard, and and it's easy. And I know I certainly did back, you know, back uh, you know ten years ago, and I was really into getting things done and all these different, like trying to find all these different philosophies for how to like how to accomplish it. You know, uh, everything's presented as like, oh yeah, here's the way, right? Here's here's the trick. You do this, like, and then as long as you do it, if you don't do it this way, like if you, if you if you're unable to still do the work, it's because you're not doing the system well enough, right? It's, it's like it's just back to your fault again. It's back to, or or it's back to you. This wasn't the right system. You just got to go find this other system. This other person is is espousing and so on. Uh, and the fact is, it's just hard. It just is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it it's sounds a continu- silly to say. It's a right? continuous struggle. Yeah, the idea that like as you become an adult, that the same shit that annoyed you as a kid still is like troublesome sometimes, which is like doing little things. Uh, seems like it shouldn't be an issue, but I think the reality is that you're still you're just you're a person. You're just a person. Yeah, that's the that's the real problem. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, just trying to get by. Yep. So hopefully, hopefully, some of those strategies help. Well, let us know. Let's know how it goes. That's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together, and thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. 
To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the podcast archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.